Today's program is brought to you by Heritage Foods USA, the nation's largest distributor of heritage breed pigs and turkeys. For more information, visit heritagefoodsusa.com. I'm Damon Bolte, host of The Speakeasy. You're listening to Heritage Radio Network, broadcasting live from Bushwick, Brooklyn. If you like this program, visit heritageradionetwork.org for thousands more. Greetings and welcome to Animal Instinct here on Heritage Radio Network. I'm your host, Celia Kutcher, also known as the Food Healer, and I've been looking forward to today's show for a while now. I'm speaking with Dr. Patrick Mahaney, holistic vet to the stars and consultant to the dog and cat food company, The Honest Kitchen. Dr. Mahaney graduated from the University of Pennsylvania's School of Veterinary Medicine and competed an internship at Friendships Hospital for Animals in Washington, D.C., He specializes in acupuncture and pain management. Dr. Mahaney is a member of many professional advocacy groups, including the American Veterinary Medical Association, the California Veterinary Medical Association, the International Veterinary Acupuncture Society, the Lesbian Gay Veterinary Medical Association, and Blog Paws. Dr. Mahaney is on TeddyHilton.com, has been on My Cat from Hell, as well as being the Daily Vet on PetMD, a weekly column that covers hot topics in holistic pet care, zoonotic disease, and current events in the animal world. We're going to discuss traveling with your pets and also one of my very favorite pet foods, the Honest Kitchen. Hey, Dr. Mahaney, are you there? I am. It's great to be here. Thank you so much for having me. Thank you so much for taking time off your vacation to talk with us. I really, really appreciate it. <laughs> sure. <laughs> anytime, I get a, anytime I get a chance to talk about really what should be going into pets' mouths, or travel and safety tips is certainly um, a good opportunity to spread the message. And I'm thrilled to have you. So uh, welcome, and uh, let's get started. So what do you think the pros and cons are of taking your pets on vacation with you? Well, um, um, taking your pets on vacation is something I have mixed feelings about because there's times that um, the ability to do so is perfect for both the owner and pet, but sometimes pets may not be well-behaved enough or healthy enough or Mm -hmm. the environment that you're going to may not be an appropriate safe place for them or even if you're traveling and you're having to stay in a hotel room some animals don't respond as well to a hotel room as they do to their own home and they can be stressed out by the experience of being away from the home or even being confined in a hotel room should the owner choose to leave so i think it's a very individual type of um a thing and if you if you have a pet that is um is healthy and is acclimated to getting out and about and socializing with other people and maybe other animals, then certainly that's a better choice to bring a pet along than one who is old and sick or is scared to leave the house. Yeah, totally. And, I mean, most people, when they travel with animals, are traveling with dogs. Um, I know that my cats alone couldn't handle it just from the time in the carrier and stuff. So is there a way to really see before you buy a ticket and get a, you know, go on a flight if your pets are going to be okay for extended periods of time in a carrier, in a foreign environment, that sort of thing? That's a really good question and certainly not something that I think all pet owners really need to think carefully about before they decide they're going to go and their pet's going to go with them. I think especially with that cat, as you described, yeah. most cats don't really get out of the house very often. They don't get in carriers often unless they are traveling or going to the veterinary hospital. So I think practicing with your pet beforehand, getting them very used to the carrier, especially that cat, I would, I would probably suggest um, putting some treats and maybe even feeding the cat in the carrier and leaving that carrier out all the time so that's a very familiar sight and the cat 
you might even choose to to make that that place where they they have a little den and can sleep to get away from it all in your home. And then when you take them with you, they can be a lot more acclimated to it. Uh, in general, they're like dogs, as you mentioned, are, are your primary travelers. And whenever we travel with my dog, he goes on the plane. I have, I have a dog named Cardiff. He's a nine-and-a-half-old Welsh Terrier. He's a very active, smart, inter- interactive dog. And whenever we travel with him, we heavily fatigue him for a day or two beforehand so that he's just going to be tired when he goes on the plane. And that way, um, there's less of a need to have to give him any kind of sedative or other medication that would help to relieve anxiety. And he tends to just have a better travel experience. Therefore, we do as well. <laughs> I think that sounds brilliant. I mean, but wearing out a terrier, that could take you like, you know, 16 yeah. <laughs> hours of sprinting on the beach. <laughs> yeah, lots, lots of playing on the beach, lots of ball play. Um, that's actually a very common thing that we do. We, we live probably, but we live in West Hollywood. It takes about half hour or so to drive to Malibu where we can take him on the beach and we just walk and fatigue him. He loves to play along the water's edge and run after waves and chase the ball. So we know that for the next day or so he's going to be quite tired. Well, I'll be happy to be your dog. I could be your dog in Malibu, no problem. That's fine with me. <laughs> it's, a, it's actually like a great kind of lifestyle that we have there because I, I'm a mobile practitioner, so a lot of my clients are in the West Hollywood, Beverly Hills area, or all the way down to Santa Monica or some in Malibu. So we try to end the day. Because I'm going to clients' homes, yeah. we place them in very particular order. So we'll try to end the day way on the west side at the beach, and then we can like conclude the day by walking on the beach and having dinner and then avoid traffic and come home later. So, Oh, my God, great, I want your job. A great setup. <laughs> that sounds fantastic. We love it. We're freezing in Brooklyn right now. We haven't gotten snow yet, but it's cold. So oh. just like Malibu oh. and the beach, it's like, oh, I want to be there so bad. <laughs> Brooklyn has many good things too. Though. Oh yeah, Brooklyn rocks. But you know, we got the seasons. So when it gets cold, I just want to crawl under a rock until spring. But right. it's okay. We got good food, so that's all right. <laughs> Absolutely. So okay, let's say you've got a client who's like, "I'm going to take my pet on vacation." What's the first thing that they really have to do to research this or to find out more information if they even can? That's a that's a very good question and something that owners absolutely have to think about right off the bat. For example, Hawaii or um, other places that are outside of the country like the United Kingdom or Australia or New Zealand is very specific requirements for um, vaccination, microchipping, vaccination for rabies and microchipping, and then blood testing to determine the response to that rabies vaccination before a pet can leave the country. And that process takes usually upwards of six months. And mm-hmm. so if you're planning on traveling you know, to work, I have some clients that travel internationally to go film movie projects and they want to take their dog with them. And unfortunately, due to the quarantine that yeah. these countries have, you can't take the pet on kind of an urgent basis. You have to plan it out very long term. But besides those places where there's this rabies quarantine, the countries or, or state has been deemed rabies-free, so they want all the pets coming in to also make sure that they don't have rabies, and that's what you establish through vaccination, through antibody testing. You have to consider the environment where your pet's going. What if your pet's going to a place where there's tons of bugs that could potentially spread diseases, like yeah. mosquitoes, spread heartworm disease, or ticks and fleas can spread bacterial organisms, um, and that can potentially make your pet sick. So if you're going to this very infested location, maybe it's not the right choice to bring your pet with you just for their overall health and safety. Or if you do, if you do go there, then make sure you work with your veterinarian to get appropriate um, ectoparasite treatment, and that could be something topical that goes on their skin, mm-hmm. an oral pill that they take, or sometimes even collars that go around their neck. It really depends on the pet. That's why I always suggest work with your veterinarian to plan the process and establish the best 
anti-parasite protocol. Definitely, definitely. Especially if you're going somewhere like Costa Rica, somewhere like that, you know, yeah. which is so extreme when it comes to bugs and all that. So I think that's a really, really great point. And so now, okay, for someone who knows nothing, how do you take a pet on a flight? Well, first you want to contact the airline and find out the rules and regulations specific to that airline. Your pet's probably going to have to go in an airline-approved travel carrier. So if you don't have that, you might have to go purchase that. Mm -hmm. Um, If your pet's going with you, and so there's size restrictions as well. Um, A lot of airlines will allow pets under 20 pounds or so to go in the cabin. Mm -hmm. Um, The dog dogs or cats, so I guess a cat could be over 20 pounds, <laughs> uh, would, have to, would have to potentially go in cargo. And, and that's not a, an experience that a lot of pets really thrive on, going yeah. into a cargo, having to be kept within a cage for a period of possibly upwards of seven or eight hours with yeah. potentially no food or no water during that time, because certainly the water spills, it gets all over them. It can. There's a whole series of problems that can occur if you have food or water in the pet's carrier with them when they travel. Mm-hmm. So it's a very stressful experience for them. And so you, you definitely have to find out what um, the airline requirements are and if that's going to suit your pet's needs. Because if you have this great Dane that you want to bring with you on a three-day vacation, um, maybe the stress of travel is not going to be the best idea for that pet that's going to have to go in the cargo area and that probably wouldn't be the safest or healthiest choice for them. Seriously. Seriously. I don't want to be like all negative Nancy. (laughs) (laughs) Like think about like always think about pet health and safety. Having them Having previously, my gut dog Cardiff went to visit a friend of mine who used to co-own him in Washington State in, in probably like 2008. Mm-hmm. And um, he went he went in cargo, and when he came, actually he went up with a co-worker of mine and his wife, stayed in Seattle for two months, and came back in cargo. And he like was so ready to get out of the cage, oh. he had to feed in the cage afterwards. And so I could tell it was a very stressful experience yeah. for him. So, um, so that's where, say, the whole traveling with your pet on an airline is going to work for you. There are specific companies that will transport your pet for you from A to B, and that might be driving across the country or if certain, te- certain charter planes will do it as well. So mm-hmm. there's a variety of ways that you could get your pet from point A to point B on vacation with you. I mean, I, I agree with you that it can be a bit of a Debbie Downer topic, but I think it's super important because mm-hmm. I, I used to have a Jack Russell that was two inches too tall to fit into a carrier to go under the seat. Uh, it was the worst. Uh, it was like, get in the back. You know, it was like, we yeah. could get you in there. And um, I was flying from the Bahamas to JFK and we got him from the Bahamas to Miami, no problem. And then we got to JFK and they lost my dog. And oh, no. so we spent three hours as, you know, what does he look like? He's a little white dog with brown spots. They're literally bringing out German shepherds. Is this your dog? No, that's not my dog. Is this my, I was like, my dog is in China. I, I know he's gone, you know? <laughs> and then finally, the, oh, it was the worst. The it was like, feeling. oh my God. And I was with my mom and my poor mother, who is a turbo was basically her sixth child. So like, I'm trying to hold it together. I'm trying to hold her together. I'm like, where in the hell is my dog? You know, and finally he came <sighs> out. And the one thing that concerned me, and I don't know if you know this or not, but I'd be interested if you do, is when he came out, actually, there was, he had a hot spot on his coat. He was obviously under a heat light. Do you know mm-hmm. what the situation is for animals that are back in steerage? Um, so when, when I I've, when I've, um, put Cardiff in cargo before this one time, I was told by the airline, I think it was Alaska, that the, um, the environment in which the animals would be kept would be the same as what we were experiencing. So that meant the same temperature, the same pressure. Oh, cool. Um, I, di- I wasn't informed about how they were doing it. So if, if there was, say, this heat lamp and that is creating the temperature and the pet maybe is a little too close to the heat lamp and it bothers them. So that's something I think I need to get better informed about as well. Mm. 
I mean, that was a while ago. That was like that was a long time ago. I don't want to say when it was, but it was it was a while ago. So it might be better now than it was. <laughs> yeah, that's too bad. So well, I'm glad they found the dog. Was there any particular reason why he uh, wasn't immediately apparent? Honestly, I think it's probably because I didn't give him a fifty dollar tip in Miami. Oh. <laughs> so I mean, it was kind of it got to the point where I was like, "Are we just sitting here for like days, and they're just going to be pulling out these random animals? Like, is my dog really, uh, really gone? You know, it's just like, oh God, please no, let's just get it back here." And fortunately, sure. they found him. But yeah, he was freaked out, and he was freaked out for probably. I mean, he's a high-strung Jack Russell, but he was freaked out for probably two days. So yeah. there definitely was some residual stress on him, you know, and um, that was pretty much the last vacation I took him on just because I, I couldn't deal with the thought of losing him again on a flight, you know. Right. When, when you do take your pet with you in the cabin, though, you definitely have to go through a series of preparatory steps, as I mentioned before, trying to fatigue the animal as much as possible within reasonable limits, of course, so that they're tired and better behaved for the plane. But then what about the length of your flight and the need to pee or poop? So. Yeah. I, ask, I actually tell my clients not to feed their pet um, after their evening feed, feeding on the day that they're flying because it's less likely they're going to have food in their digestive tract and therefore poop to come out yeah. or, or urine to come out even. And I really try to get them to as much as they can um, walk the pet very thoroughly to try to get them to poop or pee immediately before you enter the airport so that they're more likely to have an empty bladder and an yep. empty colon so that you're not going to have an accident on the plane. They're <laughs> just that colossal Sometimes that does mess. happen. Oh, it does. And I mean, you know, if your pet's super, I had a cat who was super nervous. And like when you saw the bag, it was like, dun, 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 you know, uh-huh. and anytime you got her in the bag within 30 seconds, she'd just flip out and urinate everywhere just out of panic mode. So it uh. became like we had to have two carriers to so put her in the first one, like, you know, World War Two to get her in the first one. And then she'd pee wow. all over it and then get her in the second one and just calm her down. And then she'd be semi OK. But this was a cat that never should have left my apartment ever. So. <laughs> and in those cases, I'm like that. If you go and, and seek your often when you're flying, um, you need a what's called an animal plant health inspection service or H-A-P-H-I-S health certificate that's dated within 10 days of travel so the vet is examining the pet, making sure the pet is healthy enough for travel. If needed, the vet could always prescribe sedatives or anxiety-relieving medication that can help to make the travel a little more pleasant for our part, for all parties involved. Totally. Um, you can also use natural remedies, like um, I use rescue remedy pets very commonly. Yeah, I love it's, it. Um, a box, yeah, box flower extract, very safe to use, doesn't really provide a profound sedation, but can potentially help to take the edge off a little bit. And in fact, I give it to all my acupuncture patients before I needle them just to try to like have them be as calm as possible and accepting of their treatment. I use it, I'm looking at a bottle right now. I have a, bo- I am, I'm a box certified animal practitioner. And so I love these products. I think they're fantastic. And, um, and they really work. So, I mean, Rescue Remedy works on people too. So if you're stressed out and your pet's stressed out, you can share a bottle, no problem. Yeah, I, sometimes I'll even, like, take a drop of the Rescue Remedy pet as I'm treating my patients. Yeah, I love it. I, I like the I, pet I more. think I need a little stress relief. <laughs> totally. <laughs> <laughs> All right, Dr. Mahaney, uh, we need to take a quick break. So we'll be back in a right. minute, and we're going to come back talk more about transportation and the Honest Kitchen. So hang on. You are listening to The Dig by Spiral Jetty Club.
Hello out there. It's Steve Jenkins. I'm with Fairway Markets. White Leghorn, Red Wattle, Bourbon Red, Navajo Churro. Well, these aren't names you're likely to hear at a Fairway butcher counter or any other counter today, but before the rise of factory farming, you would have. And at Heritage Foods USA, you still do. Heritage Foods USA exists to promote genetic diversity, small family farms, and a fully traceable food supply. You see, we believe the best way to help a family farmer is to buy from them. And Heritage Foods is honored to represent a network of family farmers and artisanal producers whose work presents an immeasurable gift to our food system and to biodiversity. The meat we celebrate, whether it's heritage turkey, Japanese steaks, Berkshire pork, or Navajo churro lamb chops is the righteous kind. From healthy animals of sound genetics that have been treated humanely and allowed to pursue their natural instincts. It's a simple fact. Animals raised according to this philosophy taste better. And as we like to say, you have to eat them to save them. Visit us at HeritageFoodsUSA.com for more information. It is so exciting to have this new medium. Hosting After the Jump has been a huge part of me transitioning from being a blogger to somebody who has sort of real important conversations with people in real life. My show, I I kind of describe it as an audio trade magazine. I learn a ton from the guests every week, whether it's, it's restaurants, bars. All the hosts at Heritage all come from different perspectives. Everyone should be listening to this. If you're interested in conservation and and practical approach to renewable food sources, you know, not this big industry. Whether it's history, uh, laws, social policies of food, I think people now take food seriously, and hopefully what's on their plate will become something very special. And I feel that podcasting has a future, giving people information in a format they can really use on the go. We need your support to keep these conversations going. To donate, visit heritageradionetwork.org backslash donate. Hey, what's up? This is John Norris, and you're listening to the Heritage Radio Network. And we are back. We are talking to Dr. Patrick Mahaney about traveling with your pets, and we're also going to talk about one of my absolute favorite pet foods, the Honest Kitchen. But before we get to the food, Dr. Mahaney, I wanted to ask you one question. Um, sure. What, what would you do... Or what would you advise if someone's bringing their pet and they've got it with them on the flight and the animal freaks out? <laughs> well, um, let's everybody try to stay as calm as possible. <laughs> because if everybody, if everybody gets freaked out, then it's going to make um, an unpleasant trip for everybody in the, uh, in the um, airplane. Totally. I, I think trying to like, keep the pet as close to you and not have other people getting involved in, like, putting their hands on the pet, taking the pet away from the owner, anything like that, like keep the pet with the owner, keep them in maybe a safe kind of isolated place in their seat. Um, if you have time and then the airplane doors haven't closed yet, maybe getting the pet out of the airplane for a minute and walking them up and down the, the connecting tube that goes from the terminal to the plane, just mm-hmm. trying to change the environment for a moment. If, if, um, if you have an anxious pet and there's medication that hasn't been given yet, been given yet then definitely get that dose of anti-anxiety medication or sedative into the pet, especially if you if you think they're going to further freak out because as animals get freaked out and their heart rate elevates and they get stressed, there's a greater chance that they might pee or poop, and that's going to make it unpleasant for everybody oh, on the plane. that's a great and point. Recently, recently there, was a, um, there was a story about a pig that went on a plane of somebody's service animal, and evidently 
pooped all over the place. Oh. And the, the owner was asked to leave the plane with the pig. I don't know exactly the uh, degree of service that the pig was providing the owner, but I don't think that she had a visual problem or a hearing problem or uh, had a propensity yeah. for seizures. I think it was an emotional support pig. <laughs> That's a big animal to bring on a flight, you know? Yeah. I'm, I'm kind of shocked. I don't shocked. think it was the right decision to do for all parties involved. Seriously. I mean, can you imagine, like, being someone who's, like, afraid of animals and all of a sudden someone opens up a carrier next year and they've got a pig in it? It would be just like, whoa, okay. Yeah. yeah a little extreme, but... <laughs> and then the other thing I wanted to say quickly is that, you know, if you are traveling with your pet and you do have some kind of tranquilizers or medications, make sure you test them out before the day of your flight, just in case there isn't any adverse reaction or anything like that. You want to know before that you're at 30,000 feet in the air so yeah i always suggest to my clients to practice with those medications beforehand at the time when you're going to be around for the next five or eight hours yeah. you can see what the response is um that would be a good time even once the pet is feeling the the effect of the sedative to put them in the carrier and you know put them in the car do a little drive around your block or something like that just to do a simulation of what the whole travel experience is going to be with medication on board a little medication never hurts every now and then as long as it's appropriately given yep and that's a great idea, too. I love the prep for the you know, short trip for a long trip kind of thing. Okay, now I want to talk about the Honest Kitchen, which I love this food. It's been around. I've known of it for, I've known about it for a long time. I'm not sure when they first came out. But I remember when they first came out, I used to go to all the trade shows with a good, good friend of mine who does what I do and desperately look for new food on the market that was, you know, actually like nutritionally dense and correctly digestible and things like that. And Honest Kitchen showed up and it was just like, ah, finally. Yeah. And I love it. I mean, I really love it. And when I was working at a vet's office, we used to get samples all the time, and I would explain to everyone what it was. And we switched a lot of clients over. So for allergies and things, too, it's just a no-brainer. So what do you think makes the Honest Kitchen different from most of the pet foods that are out there? Well, one of the things to start off with is the fact that it is a whole food-based diet instead of processed food. It does, of course, have some degree of processing because the meats are steam-treated to 180 degrees, which kills pathogenic bacteria, and then the meats are air dehydrated or vacuum dehydrated, so they attain this kind of like um, dehydrated format, kind of like a powder or small little pieces that are ground up a little bit more, and same thing with the vegetables, they're vacuum dehydrated, so there is a little bit of processing. It's not exactly how it came from the tree or the plant or, or, or walked on the earth or swam in the ocean, but it's pretty similar to it, and especially to create a consumer-friendly format that can be shipped probably for a lower cost than shipping a can yeah. or, um, or a, a freshly prepared moist food. It, it does make it, it great for the consumer that they can, make, they can hydrate it themselves, and then they can go ahead and, and offer it to their pet, and they can even bring it with them very easily. So I have some, I have some clients that make a fresh prepared food at home where they're, they're actually involved in the food prep process, sourcing ingredients, and then when they travel, they feed on its kitchen because it's so easy to bring with them. And uh, when you have a pet that's eating a whole food-based diet, they're a lot more, um, it's a lot easier to transition their food from one thing to another, from different protein sources to carbohydrate sources. Like pets that just eat processed foods like kibble, mm -hmm. if you should feed them some real food, like around Thanksgiving, uh, all the messaging is don't feed your pet, don't feed your pets from the table, you're going to get sick, blah, yep. blah, blah. It's just food. Exactly. If you have a pet that is very used to eating real meat and real vegetables and some grains and a little bit of oil, 
um, and it's all whole food based, like you would eat yourself, and yeah. then you give them a little bit of turkey, a little bit of sweet potato, taking away their normal portion. Of course, they're probably not going to have digestive problems because their body is very used to real foods that go in the body instead of highly processed foods like kibble that yeah. don't exist in nature and are vastly different from how pets should eat. I agree with you, and I mean, I see, I do animal nutrition on the side and alternative medicine, and I mean, one of the things that I see is, you know, dry food, just there's so many problems that come with it, you know, and especially nowadays, the allergies are so much worse. And it's, there's nothing better than getting somebody on the correct food, and that's all, you know, it's all you had to do is just change the food, which P.S. isn't that easy, but it's still pretty easy. And you get a pet who's thriving and who looks fantastic, and their coats change, they don't have hot spots, they're not constipated all the time, you know, it's just like, yay. And I love Honest Kitchen, and I recommend it all the time because it is so simple to put together. You know, it's not a quarter cup of this, a quarter cup of that. You can just dump it in a bowl, add some water, and you're ready to go, really, you know? Right. Or you could use their base mixes such as um, Preference or Hale or Kindly, which are just vegetables and fruits or just vegetables and a vitamin mineral mix. And you then can add your own protein source. So you could select fish, you could select lamb, you could select beef, you could select turkey, chicken. You could do tofu, cottage cheese, like kind of whatever was, was works best for you and for your pet. And so you then are really involved in the preparation process. Um, and uh, that way, like if they have a, a special needs type diet, like say they could only digest duck and they can't digest chicken, then yeah. you could add your own duck or they do have a duck formula called Halcyon. So they've really like... Use, they're taking it to a different level in terms of pet food production because they're using more novel protein sources that are less common. There's no chicken meal or lamb byproduct meal. It's all just fresh chicken and not and not not the various parts that go into those meals. And yeah. the thing is, like when food is made in a pet food um, plant, there's so many places along the along the line where the ball gets dropped, and that's when pets get sick. And yeah. Honest Kitchen is unique in that it's really the only company that's gone to the to the legal steps of making sure that they can, on their labeling, say human grade because they produce their foods in an FDA inspected human food facility, and um, that's that's a big deal in the pet food industry because what the typical pet food is made of is ingredients that are considered to be feed grade, yeah. therefore they're deemed in, 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 inedible for humans. Yet we think they're okay for pets because somebody processes them into little little nuggets that are nutritionally complete and balanced. We just kind of forget about the basic, simple nature of food and how we're recommended to eat real meat, real vegetables, some real grains, minimizing fats and processed foods. Yeah. Um, but we feel, okay, let's give it to our pet just because it says nutritionally complete and balanced. It's got pictures of cute puppies and kittens on it and real chunks of meat when the totally. contain real meat. So. I could go on and on about this. Now, I know. Yeah, me too. This makes me crazy. And, it, and just for anybody out there, if you're using a pet food and it says meat, it doesn't say chicken, lamb, rabbit. It says meat. You don't want to use that, okay? Because yeah, you, you exactly. don't want to use that. You want to classify it. And that was the other thing about it when we first saw Anna's Kitchen. It was like, oh, my God, human grade. Are you kidding me? And my friend and I are huge interrogators, so some of the larger, huge conglomerates of pet food companies actually know us at this point. So we go to big conventions, <laughs> and they're always like, oh, crap, here they come, you know? <laughs> and so we went and we grilled on his kitchen, and it was like, you know, what do you mean by human grade? Like, let's talk about this. And every answer was right, and it was like, it was so wonderful to hear that somebody's finally went ahead and did it. And I love that it's still around, and that it's progressing, and it's evolving, and I mean, like, the one... With without any protein that you can add your own protein to. Oh, my God, we've been waiting for that for 20 years. And I'm yeah, just thrilled absolutely. that they're doing it, you know? And I like it from a perspective of 
I work um, like as a Chinese medicine trained trained practitioner. I also do Chinese medicine food energy because mm-hmm. um, the whole concept of Chinese medicine you've got you've got these two energies, yin and yang, the black and the white, that are constantly mixing with each other. And sometimes the yang is stronger, sometimes the yin is stronger, and the yang is like heating and energizing and uplifting, but you don't want that to get a little too out of control. Yep. Um, that's why you need your yin, which is more calming and soothing and moisturizing and more of a feminine energy. And so there's always this balance. And when you have disease, that balance is thrown off. And so a lot of pets that have diseases like cancer or inflammatory bowel disease or allergies mm-hmm. or autoimmune type diseases, there's too much yang or heating energy in the body. And so you can cool that energy down by feeding protein sources that have more of a cooling to neutral nature because there's heating, there's cooling and neutral and protein sources. So um, cooling protein sources like turkey and duck and goose and most fish, um, heating sources tend to be gamey meats like lamb and mutton and bison and things like that. Chicken is considered a heating source as well. So you can actually really calm some of that heat created by whatever disease by feeding a, a fresh moist food that has one of those protein and also some of the carbohydrate sources that tend to be more cooling to neutral. And and I I do this all the time with my patients and with my own dog who's had cancer and immune system diseases throughout his life. Mm -hmm. I use the the food energies to try to manage the disease from a perspective beyond just, say, giving a medication or doing surgery. It's like a day-to-day thing that you can do to really help your pet. Yeah, definitely. And for me, who's been working in animal food and animal nutrition for as long as I have, I got to tell you, Doc, you are the first vet that knows about the energetics of food, okay? So if you guys are in California, you want this man to see your pets, okay? Because seriously, I mean, I've talked to hundreds of vets, and you just made me feel all warm and fuzzy inside. I'm so glad to hear that you know this. I Really, because, I mean, I've had battles with vets regarding this, you know? And so... Yay! Okay, this guy's really, 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 really good, you guys. So we got to find him, okay? And so, sadly, we're coming to a close, which stinks, because I could talk to you for hours, obviously. But I want to find out, or I want you to please tell people how they can find you, learn more about you, and how they can contact you. It's pretty simple, actually. My website is really like my internet business card, and it's uh, my first and last name, together.com. So it's Patrick with a C-K, P-A-T-R-I-C-K, Mahaney, M-A-H-A-N-E-Y. Not Mahoney. I know you East Coasters, so you want everybody to be Mahoney. Oh, my, Mahoney. my spell check was going nuts with your name. <laughs> it was like, no, not Mahoney. It's, 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 Patrick, it's PatrickMahoney.com. Um, if you're in the Los Angeles area, you can email me and see if, uh, if it's appropriate for me to come and do a house call for you or do see pets in facility one day a week in Culver City, which is part of Los Angeles at the Veterinary Cancer Group. So um, I work I work with other specialists in cancer, on veterinary oncologists, and then also with other specialists in internal medicine and dentistry and ophthalmology all within one facility. So awesome. I can help people at home. I can help them in office as well. That's wonderful. And then you're on YouTube, and you're all over the place, too. So don't be so modest. Oh. You can find Dr. Mahaney on YouTube. <laughs> he's all over it, too. You can. He's on an episode of My Cat from Hell, which I love that. That was totally entertaining. Four seasons running now. I, I, like, yeah, every, every season I, I, I do medical perspectives, so kind of go to the client's homes and do medical workups on two of the cats. And you really barely see me in the episodes, but I'm, I'm part of the process. That's amazing. And I mean, God, cats from hell are scary. So you're a brave guy. Yeah. <laughs> it's like the worst. <laughs> <laughs> so, yep, you can find him on YouTube, too. You can find him on Twitter. So, Dr. Mahaney, thank you so much for taking time. I want to get you back on that beach while you've got a beautiful day over there. 
Um, thank you again. I really, really appreciate it. And thank you to Heritage Radio Network. You can find Animal Instinct on Facebook. Don't forget to subscribe to the show. I'm the Food Healer. Take care and thanks so much for listening. Thanks for listening to this program on HeritageRadioNetwork.org. You can find all of our archived programs on our website or as podcasts in the iTunes store by searching Heritage Radio Network. You can like us on Facebook and follow us on Twitter at Heritage underscore radio. You can email us questions anytime at info at HeritageRadioNetwork.org. Heritage Radio Network is a 501c3 nonprofit. To donate and become a member, visit our website today. Thanks for listening.